You landed on The Substance, a podcast aimed at being biblical, thoughtful, and human. Join us every other week as we engage the culture without the culture war. I'm your host, Vincent Edwards, joined by my good friends and partners in crime, Philip Marinello. Hey, everybody. And Trevor Aiken. I plead the fifth. <laughs> How y'all feel? Three, four, fifth. <laughs> you have so many amendments <laughs> in the Constitution. <laughs> I, I can only that. choose one. <laughs> <laughs> You uh, you watched the whole thing somewhat recently, didn't you, Kev? Uh, yeah, yeah. It, so you're texting man, me and I gotta really watch that again. Prophetic, yeah. honestly, it was really pretty good. wild, pretty wild. Well, hey, for those That's joining us, um, <laughs> the the Sexes is a Christian variety show. Every other week, we talk for about an hour about something related to um, culture. Christianity and the arts. We've had great guests like uh, Propaganda, Alyssa Wilkinson, Barnabas Piper, and Keena Aragon. Um, and then other episodes, we chop it up amongst ourselves. At the end, we do have a segment we call Substance Shoutout, where we just shout out what we've been finding edifying and enjoyable. So thanks for coming into this episode, our topic toss-up, and we're, we're excited to chat and uh, hopefully have some thought-provoking conversations with you indeed fellas before we get into this i think we maybe mentioned it on a preview i know sometimes we don't always record in order but since it's topic toss-up time it's a little bit more familiar uh guys we hit a hundred ratings on apple podcasts listeners thank you like i know not everybody listens to the thing at the end but like if you've rated and reviewed and subscribed and all that like and every podcast says that like it's helpful so thank you. We're a little indie show, um, hundred some odd episodes here. We got a hundred, right? Four point nine. And like, thank you That's to great. all those one star haters. I love you. Um, <laughs> but it's it's always appreciative if you haven't hit that five star button, or even better, take sixty seconds, write a review. Super duper helps. Thank you. We need to come up with like a name for the the yeah. Okay, listeners. Also, right now, open Help up. Us out. Open up the show notes, DM us on Instagram, shoot us an email, leave us a voicemail. What what should we call the substance community? Like substance stands. Like substance users? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't really have a I don't have a name. Yep. You know, help us out. Wait, you guys no. help us out with that. We've been thinking about it for a while and we still got nothing, so we need we need help. Literally, like, I, I got nothing good at all. Outside help. All right, so topic toss-up. Somebody else got outside help recently. That is true. So, okay, <laughs> again, I said this before. We talk a lot about the ills of the church sometimes because it comes up and there are important things to be learned. This is one I debated whether or not to nominate this topic for the show, but I don't just want to talk about maybe some of the salacious headlines like this is i i promise this is not going after some dirt because like that's not what we do here at the substance but i saw many different outlets today talking about matt chandler did you either of you guys see this day vincent i know you're very social media light currently if at all yeah um i did kind of sneak back on instagram just a little um but i didn't see anything I, I really don't get on it during the day um but for what you sent me i definitely uh i definitely read over it so i am aware trev you see this 
No, I was I was completely in the dark about this until you said you wanted to do it as a topic. And then when I heard that, I was like, well, that's kind of a downer. Well, okay. And I but. don't want it to be. Chandler resigns <laughs> or steps back. Yeah. So, briefly. So, um, <laughs> the facts of the matter as we have them are this. And I really freaking hate, like, <laughs> I don't no. want to be like a gossip. You are the reporter. facts. So, Matt Chandler on Sunday um, announced that he would be temporarily slash indefinitely because, like, it's kind of vague. He's going to be stepping aside from his role as a preacher teacher at the Village Church. Like, he started the segment. I watched the video. I didn't just read or I feel like some of the people in the comments straight up didn't read one word of the article or watch one mm. second of the video so mm. <laughs> we talked we talked about news and sources a lot on this show if you're gonna have an opinion on matt chandler like read an article watch the video the video is like five minutes long of the, the pertinent segment and yeah. like people have actually written various levels of thoughtful things on it so like if you're gonna have an opinion on it engage in that but basically He's saying he is temporarily slash indefinitely stepping aside from his role as a like a preaching teaching pastor because of what is being framed as an unwise slash inappropriate engagement with a woman via DMs on Instagram. But Chandler mm-hmm. and the leaders were also both very clear, not sexual, not romantic. Matt Chandler's mm. wife was aware of this friendship and communication. This other woman's husband was aware of the friendship and communication. But mm-hmm. so the story is briefly a few months ago, a friend of this woman that he had been DMing came to him and said, Hey, like I'm getting some bad vibes. Like this seems like you might be crossing some lines and you maybe need, like they didn't give like a full statement from this woman. So I don't know what was exactly said, but she brought it to his attention. Like, Hey, this feels a little fishy. This feels a little off. I don't feel like this is appropriate or above reproach or what have you. Mm -hmm. And he's like, I take that. I don't feel like this is inappropriate. Like my wife knows her friends. Her husband knows her friends. Like, we're we're just friends. We're talking, but he immediately, according to him that Sunday went to the elders and is like, Hey, this totally blindsided me. This is what was told to me. Like, you guys take it, take a look at it. And so, an mm-hmm. internal, he'd say the word investigation now, like his elders looked at it and they're like, hey, yeah, like maybe there is some reason to be concerned here. And he's like, okay, like I submit to you, like, what do you guys think should be? And like, hey, you should take a little break now and we should talk through things, work through things. I don't know what it means or what it is, but like they have some sort of, plan and it is indefinite that he's gonna work on the the quote was from chandler the concerns were about frequency and familiarity of his engagement with this woman and he said he did (laughs) so gender dynamics are gonna be a part of how a lot of people reacting to this Mm -hmm. because a lot of folks are saying like what it's just a friendship so he's like hey if we believe in brother sister relationships here yet there was a frequency that moved past that there was familiarity that played itself out in coarse and foolish joking, and it's unbefitting of someone in my position. So that's all that was really said. Mm-hmm. I have a few thoughts myself, but what are your guys' initial reads, thoughts? It's so hard to, to look at a situation like it. There's, it, it seems like there's so little data here 
to go off of like being totally uninvolved in the situation i almost i'm almost like loth to speak about it at all um but you know what i can say is what's interesting is people reacting to it right and it almost looks like and that's the part of what I wanted to talk about yeah, it too. Yeah. I didn't want to. This is not like let's speculate about Matt Chandler's no. DMs. That's, no, that's not. What that's this so is. dumb. But it almost looks like the situation's acting like a Rorschach test. For I'm not saying that right. A Rorschach, Rorschach. test. A Rorschach test for whoever's reading it. Like that's what I've. I'm just looking at Twitter really quick. Like it looks like the people who you know had already wrote Matt Chandler off as woke responded in that way. The people who, which is a wild take. Yeah, the people who, but but also like, it's completely normal at this point. The people who um kind of are very sensitive towards and rightly so towards sexual abuse in the church and things like that. Like, mm-hmm. are wary. Like, there's maybe more here. Like, what are we not hearing? That kind of stuff. Very suspicious. The people who are tend to be suspicious of church leadership and the power and the abuses that have caused everyone to be on edge about any church leadership and authority at all at this point kind of react in that way and then the people who are kind of like typically you know what everything's probably fine everything's good are kind of in that category and then there's another category that says well what did you want it to look like you know like this maybe is an example of the church working correctly so so to me like I don't know what I can really add. I, I don't really know that I take any of those necessarily. I just don't know. But yeah, I mean, it, it is good that it sounds like he's got some external accountability. The fact that his elders were willing to call him out over over something like this and not just sweep it under the rug mm-hmm. is positive. It's very my, encouraging. Is is my like initial take? I saw some people were quoting him as saying some things that sounded probably wrong toned or out of touch in light of like the, Hey, this is what's going on. And this is my, my leave that I'm going to be taking in light of this really what we're talking about is a moral failing, right? Like a propriety failing, but, but ultimately that's moral, you know, not a sexual moral failing, but a moral failing. Some people saying, quoting him when he's talking about, you know, Hey, I'll be the pastor for the next 20 years here. Stuff like that. Like, yeah, that's not maybe the best thing to say in the moment where, you know, you're taking time away to to really revisit your use of these messaging systems as far as like your interactions with church members and how does that power dynamics interplay in there and stuff like that. So that seems valid to me. But I mean, I don't know. Should let them handle it. <laughs> Vince? Yeah. I, I kinda am on the same point with trev a bit like i don't i don't know anything and i mean i guess one thing on just initial read is like i'm I'm glad that there seems to be a system of accountability on the front end before things because you know the the trend most recently has been kind of do something after the chips have fallen and there's a lot more egregious things that have that have been yeah. committed and so to know that, you know, he took it seriously, that he went to his elders immediately, that he went to his wife, that he's accepting the kind of process of, I don't know, restoration or whatever you want to call it. And they're doing this on the front end rather than saying, yeah, it was an inappropriate conversation and it led to something else. Yeah. 
kind of thing. So I think that's good. That is a good thing. Um, and that's, that is, I would say, a, a small um, shining light that there is uh, hope that if there are actions that are taken that are not good from people in leadership, that there can be accountability and recourse for that. So, you know, that's, that's an initial take. But outside of that, I mean, that, that's it. I yeah. mean, I think it's interesting. So, I mean, this made me think of a few different angles on it. Like the whole standard, like we've talked about, like we're guys who believe that the Bible has clear standards for spiritual leadership and that Mm -hmm. the body of church leadership, whatever structure that is in a given assembly, like ought to enforce those and hold those up and like genuinely take those seriously. And I agree with Trevor that I'm glad that they are, but I just wonder what the, if, okay, let's say if they're telling the truth and if all this was, is he had a friend who was a woman and like some of the stuff they talked about, like could generally fall under the banner of like coarse joking, like laughing at me. Like, I I don't know what that is. Like it is unhelpful because it's so vague. He's like, nothing sexual. Nothing romantic. Like what? Did they laugh at like like a South Park meme that was edgy? Like, like I, I don't some, know what that uh, means. Like, there's like some group threads, you know, that that I yeah. know of that probably you know, <laughs> sure. <laughs> you yeah. know, sometimes are a straight line to to you know uh, <laughs> questionable joking, for example. Like, yeah, like we we should be holy in our communication, and I'm not saying like let's not hold that standard, but it's like, hey, you have a friend that like you made a joke with. Um, you're going to like not be the pastor for a little while. Like for some of the folks who are super on his side, like I, I can understand that to a point if it's like, Hey, what's the big deal. But also on the other hand, I'm very glad that his church and his elders are taking it seriously. Yeah. The village has had serious abuse and scandals and like problematic leadership before. So like, I'm glad like currently from what is, available and if i take that to be true i could it kind of seems like overkill but like i'm not entirely like unhappy about it because it's like stuff starts somewhere and if this woman was relaying uh this woman that he was dming was relaying their communications to a friend of hers and a red flag went off good that that's being like taken seriously because you never know where that can go like i would much rather look back and say hey if he was a friend of mine, like 20 years from now, if he's a faithful man, lives out a faithful ministry, faithful to his wife, all that stuff, like, oh, man, like, that was kind of a bummer and weird how, like, you took all that time off. But that's, like, worlds better than, like, the elders looking at him and being like, nah, this is no big deal. And, like, yes. there might be yes. a seed or a beginning of a, a, a first step to a problem. Looking back going, man, like, I wish I would have pulled the plug on this. Like, I don't even know if I would go there. Know. As a like, hey, you know, where could this go? Slippery slope kind of stuff. I mean, those things are legitimate. But but what I think is like so often what we've seen, right, is people come to a pastor, he defends himself. People come to a pastor, he defends himself. People then go to elders. Elders defend the pastor. Go to elders. But groups of people come to elders. The elders wall up. They defend the pastor. Then finally, outside media gets involved because it's like a big enough story and there's big enough things going on that mm. like 
that then they have to like, oh, okay, now it's like dividing the church, it's harming the sheep, people don't know whether they believe in Jesus anymore because like everything that's gone on and been accepted and like it's this massive blow up. And it's just kind of refreshing that it's like the moral conscience of three people or so in the church that were like, the friend was like, hey, that doesn't seem right. Let me go talk to him. Talks to him. He takes it to his elders like, hey, I want you guys to hit, you know, hold me accountable, know about this. Like, that's the right choice. The two elders look at it. They don't feel comfortable with it. So they reach out further to like get further confirmation. That's a great choice. The further confirmation law firm, whatever they look at it, they say, Hey, this is what we want to do. This is how we want to pause on things. Like that all seems like good choices, like all along the way in response to a moral concern. And it's like, we got to trust like for all we talk about the body of God, like this is what it looks like, you know, is it always clear cut? Like, no, but like when you have, and what does the scripture say? You know, you admit a charge on the evidence of like, you know, two witnesses or whatever. And so you've got the witnesses and the elders, like two men who are coming forward and saying like, yeah, this, this looks questionable to us too. And so if you've got these, these men who are supposed to be mature and wise and leaders in the church and they have a church member too, and all three of them are like, yeah, this is kind of sketchy. This is kind of sketchy, you know, then to the nature of the sketchiness whatever i don't know that's not that's not for any of us to know but like it's it is good that if three people think something's morally sketchy that they put a pause on it and and take a moment to you know reflect you know how can we do better in maturity and and i don't think we can speculate on oh well where are they overthinking it or that we don't there's no way we can know any of that stuff and i think that that is a really good reminder too because that was another thing that this whole story and conversation made me think about like with the way social media has affected our culture. Like you can't, like the we fact can, that we're even talking about this is bad. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like we can try to use social media as wisely as we can. But like the fact of the matter is that like this stuff, I hadn't heard anything about this. This came on my feed today and different people were taking very different um, tacts with it, depending on what their, their brand was. Their um, axe to grind or whatever. Yeah. And I, and I don't want to necessarily frame that negatively. Cause again, like multiple people who ostensibly are trying to love the Lord and lead that particular flock saw something worth addressing. So like, I don't want to poo poo that at all. Like, how can, how can I, shepherd my own heart and mind and how can we all be careful not to overly litigate and have opinions on things like matt chandler has got i don't know i don't know how many followers he has right now but he's a name that i would imagine that tens of thousands hundreds of thousands maybe more like people know like his his ministry his work his books his preaching his uh sermon clips and podcasts and all that like that affects people's spiritual lives. So like when something like this happens, like how can we be careful to not get overly involved in things that aren't our business? Exactly. Paul talks about how basically minding your own business is a Christian virtue. And they're very clear. There's nothing sexual. There's nothing romantic. It's just something that like we think he needs to work on and he is working on it. So like, it's kind of interesting because we're talking about it here, but I think that that was a good reminder to me, like chasing down every headline about every old person, like is not really what we're supposed to be doing. I agree. Thoughts. I agree. Yeah. 
I mean, I don't know what else to say about it. <laughs> well, no, just for our listeners, like they're bombarded constantly with headlines about this semi-public person or that. Like, how can we think about that in a way that is responsible? Like, obviously, terrible impropriety and terrible injustice is just that. But when it's something like this, like pray for them and move on. Let them handle it. It always comes back to like, yeah, just accountability. Like we've always directed our listeners to be involved as as their conscience lets them, as their walk with the Lord allows them to to, to be in a church body, knowing that that is at the on the one hand, like we've talked about with other guests, harmful for some people, right? A, a point of pain for some people, but also can be a place of healing, and it is ultimately where God wants his people is together in community with each other, where there are broken centers who hurt people and like, or just make foolish mistakes. And we've encouraged listeners as they approach those spaces to, to look at leadership, to look at accountability, to look at patterns of manipulation and and toxicity among the leadership so that they can be aware for their spiritual health, because um, having a healthy spiritual leadership that's going to minister to your soul is not the same as having a leadership team that agrees with your theology. And, you know, within boundaries, within wisdom and discernment, there's an importance to um, discern those things, to look at those things and make a wise choice for where to bring your family. And I think that's the only takeaway I, I, I can think of. Yeah. uh, Often our response um, is often because there are individuals that we know of that don't handle the situation properly or they're handling the situation in a way that, like you said, Trev, where they're defending the leadership's defending the pastor, the pastor's defending themselves. And we have a situation where that's not happening. So it's like we can be okay with the idea that, all right, this guy has accountability, he has elders who are going to hold them to a higher standard and actually do something. It's not just lip service. So then you just say, okay, cool. Let, let them handle it and thank God that they are. Yep. Let, them, let the village church be the village church and take care of their business. Exactly. Boom. What do we got up next here, Vince? You had something you wanted to talk about? Yeah, um, so it's, I, I won't lie, it's not a popular conversation because not <laughs> a ton of people are talking about it right now, at least. And I think it's because it's early, but um, I wanted to just kind of wrap with you guys about um, Christian Christian's interaction with uh, AR, augmented reality, or uh, the metaverse, because that is something that I think is growing and has the potential to be something that um, starts to invade our society uh, uh, on a normal, like it's not a fad. It's actually going to be something. And I think there are benefits to it. Um, I think there could be potential hindrances. And I I know as Christians, some Christians want to be like, you know, whatever. It's just the world will dive in and figure it out. And then you have others who are like, no, we need to be insulated. Anything new is evil. (laughs) So both are extremes and obviously both are probably overstepping. Mm. And so I just love to wrap with you guys and wrap with the audience, you know, proverbial on just what, what you guys think about some of the concerns as well as the benefits of, of Christians interaction with the metaverse. What are some of the primary concerns I'd say? Well, 
like metaverse church is that the idea so a few concerns metaverse uh church is one um where there's this conversation of whether if a person attends a church virtually if that's actually attending or not i know another one is people um see it as an easier avenue to engage in like certain sinful acts that you can engage in online well, like what vince um, like pornography, <laughs> obviously. Um, that's the biggest one usually. Yeah, yeah obviously. Um, <laughs> Thanks, Phil. Yeah. <laughs> nice um, I know there's some concerns of like relationships because like you think about John 1335, I believe, where it's like, you know, the world will know that we are Christ's disciples by how we love one another. Mm-hmm. And so there are some concerns that like genuine friendship, genuine relationship, genuine interaction starts to um, kind of not happen because you're just doing it virtually. And so, and then just unhealthy, like lazy lifestyles. Um, that, that's some concerns that people, I've seen at least people bring up. Uh, this is a weird role for me to play because I, I am say, an early adopter. I, for Trevor, I am an early adopter of stuff typically, but I'm <laughs> going to be the old curmudgeon on this one and be like, I don't, I'm not fully convinced that the metaverse is or in any near term thing will be a thing at all. Okay. Trevor, can you give me and maybe the audience who is like, Maybe not as technologically savvy as others. Like, break. Can you break down the metaverse in like sure, sure. thirty to sixty seconds? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The idea is you put on a VR goggle headset, right? Which um, you've got is headphones. Ready Player One. Yeah, Ready Player One, basically. So you put on goggles. You that are little screens that go over your eyes, and you've got headphones in, and so it transports your audio and visual senses into a virtual world where you have an avatar. Um, You can move this character around maybe with a controller and there is a world to explore kind of like a open world video game, um, except um, more sensory, like, you know, maybe as you turn your head, it's like a first person view, et cetera. So the idea is you have this other online universe that where you can inhabit a character or a person that really kind of becomes your virtual presence there can be work done there can be commerce there could be games there could be social interaction there could be church there could be all sorts of different stuff in this world and um specifically the company formerly known as facebook now known as meta uh changed up that Maybe partially because of how much heat they were also getting as Facebook, but true, um, <laughs> true. <laughs> but also to kind of turn the page and and focus on this metaverse concept that they want to bring into the world, which count me as dubious uh, as to their success in that project. Um, I, I mean, don't I, think I the world similarly... is ready or 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 is wanting this this product or solution. I feel mm. similarly as well on that front, but Vince, are you are you thinking about this primarily spiritually? Like, what is the wisdom or foolishness of trying to cultivate a digital spiritual community, or kind of the whole shebang? Like, what's kind of your angle or thought on that? So, I'm gonna keep it a buck with y'all. Mm-hmm. I'm, I actually think it'd be cool, mm. not in a way where it replaces anything, like. Personally, I I would still want to go to regular church. 
um, and still have regular relationships and friendships. Well, like the three of um, us are in different states, so we could go kick it in the metaverse and like go to digital church together. See my home. <laughs> uh, I was actually having a conversation with my wife, and she was even mentioning like how it could be a benefit to like the elderly who can't, who are immobile, and it's like I want to go to church. Yeah, people talk about that. People. The elderly, um, or, the the persecuted, yeah, yeah, that or comes even up. you know people who um like maybe are in wheelchairs or paralyzed or something like that where they can't just they just can't physically they can you know hop into this virtual reality and go attend. I think really what I'm trying to get at is you know we're always going to have something new whether it stays for a long time or whether it doesn't, and we always have other individuals in the body. Um, either celebrating or critiquing, like TikTok came out. And then obviously some people who are Christians seek to utilize that and they are either celebrated or scrutinized. And so I think that there's going to be a level where metaverse becomes more popular, maybe becomes more refined, maybe becomes more immersive in engaging with it. And so I, I guess I'm just on the front end trying to see how can we be good at discerning where our involvement is necessary and then where in good discernment we can just say eh, we we don't need the metaverse for that we can go ahead and do that here yeah i think it, i think as a as a theological thought experiment in a way the metaverse is kind of fun we, we, we kind of talked about some of these things on episode 89 with uh dr felicia Wu song yeah um on restless devices which is really good so i refer uh listeners to that episode as well if you haven't Shout enjoyed out to that. dr song who's not yeah. on social media yet her episode did like crazy numbers um yeah and if you haven't checked that out or haven't checked out in a while episode 89 is a lot of fun but the there's, there's two kind of biblical principles i think that that kind of come into this discussion mm -hmm. of metaverse and one of them is the fact that god made us body and soul right so what is the nature of man um, and we have a place because of our body. Like we're not meant to be placeless or, uh, boundless. Um, but we have a locality, um, on purpose and that is for our good. And that, that helps us to refine and focus and priority set and, um, dig into community and really be the people God's called us to be, um, mm -hmm. and the places he's ordained us to be in. And I think, I mean, honestly, that's a caution as we deal with social media as well. Yep. Everything, everywhere, all at once, right? Like this. For sure. Just talked about these kind of things. Um, and, and knowing that sometimes it's good to be defined and be, and be honed in. The other thing I'll say is around the nature of the church, because I, I think doubtless there are really awesome things that could happen in the metaverse as far as spiritual communities and Bible study groups and, and talk groups and discussion groups. There could be some really cool stuff. Mm -hmm. What there really couldn't be, I think at the end of the day is really a replacement for church. And I'm going to base that based on acts chapter two. Mm -hmm. um, this is something our church just went over um, the importance of fellowship and hospitality Acts chapter 2, verses 42 to 47 says, The church devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. 
And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles, and all who believed were together and had all things in common. They were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Not just a narrative description, but really a... um kind of founding direction for church. Um, and, and this has been true throughout two millennia now of churches that um, when we gather, um, we devote ourselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. And, you know, that's why, for example, communion is done weekly in the church globally, right? You know, maybe your particular church doesn't, doesn't do communion every week, but every week there's a church somewhere doing communion. And, um, there is prayer and there's fellowship happening. And and I think all of that speaks to verse 44. They were together. There's something, once again, going back to locality, but even something particular about the church being in a location in community where we can have communion together, where we can care for each other's needs. Because we have a body that has needs and we are the body collectively, 1 Corinthians 12, Christ's body, to minister to one another and the people around us. So anyway. Okay. Devil's advocate. So for all of that, somebody <laughs> might come up and say, well, I, I can do all that in the metaverse, and I'll explain how. So as far as breaking of bread, I can have my virtual bread that I'm breaking and possibly have like a thing of bread in the cup at my home. So in the virtual world, we're doing that together, and then individually, I am actually you know eating bread, drinking the wine, right? As far as fellowship, we're, we're technically all together. We're talking to each other. We're in the quote-unquote same space. If you're talking about selling possessions and making sure that we're satisfying needs, a lot of that can be done electronically. So I can, I can Venmo you or cash app you, you know, after I sold something or whatever. And so what would you say to the person to say, I think I could accomplish all of that virtually? Who's going to come bring you a meal when your leg's broke or you can't get up? Who's going to see your face when you're downtrodden and crying, when you're sad and don't want to talk about it? Who's going to, mm. come, who's going to see that and, and draw near to you? Who's going to be there for you when your family members die and there's a, you have a funeral? Who's going to lead it? Who's going to attend it? Who's going to care for you? Who's going to walk through, through the grief two months after every other funeral's done and everybody's left and you're just left with a gap in your life? Mm. That's, that's going to be the people online. I mean, listen, there's a lot that, that that can cover. There's a lot that can be done there. There's a lot of really awesome stuff. There's a lot of help that you could find. You could probably find awesome grief groups. You could probably find some awesome folks who could send you. DoorDash you, know, you some food. Yeah, DoorDash you food, whatever. There's, there's all sorts of awesome things that, that could be done there. But I, I, at the end of the day, you're a human person in a body. Um, and the body of Christ was called to be together. Um, and I, and I think that you'll find that while there is a lot of really awesome things that you can do once I'm being, I'm being positive. I think there's a lot that it could add, but I, I don't think it could ever replace church fully because of that. I agree. Jumping over to the next topic is also kind of around the nature of the church and how we do church. And, um, you know, a mentor of mine and maybe ours, you guys might be familiar with this quote when I say it, is that the church 
should not be a museum. It should be a hospital. Hospital. Yeah. You guys are familiar with that. So basically the idea is that when you go to church, it shouldn't just be all this polished up art pieces where we show off our great people and our great theology and our this and our that, all that, you know, being a museum to whatever we think the ideal church is supposed to be. But it's supposed to be a place where care can be provided, where you can come broken, where you can come hurt, you can come sick mm. and mm-hmm. minister to, be welcome, be, belong, really, and find healing, find grace, find help. And I think that, that is a beautiful picture. However, I have this thought that I want to bounce off of you guys. And that's why I've withheld it until this moment, because I want to get your live reactions. But I don't think the church is, in America specifically, typically struggles. I mean, I think we fail to live up to the hospital ideal, as good as that would be. But I don't know necessarily that we're the museum either. Hmm. I think where we tend to fail is that the church actually becomes a factory. And... Let me explain what I mean by that. So we approach church uh, often in America as like a factory, like a place where we manufacture and produce the works of God, where we take a people who really we approach them as not God's people, as not godly, as as maybe apathetic to the faith. And we're going to bring them together and through work groups, through organization, through management, through programs, we're going to produce the things of God, the life of God, the people of God. And, and when, and when we pe- churn people out, we're going to churn out. We're going to take in not the people of God, and we're going to somehow produce and release into the world then huh. this people of God. And then we're going to do it week in and week out. And we have to run all these programs. And so we have our kind of employee of the month and our, and our oats to the CEOs and the everything that's making the church run and produce and do these things. And we evaluate our programs. But I think that we're approaching people. We're approaching the people of God as not the people of God and then part of our work project. You just think about the church is a factory. As I'm listening to what you're saying, I I tend to think that I would say some churches are a factory and some churches are a museum. I don't know. I'm sure that there are because God always has a remnant, but I'm sure that there are churches that are hospitals. Um, to the museums and the factories, I think that distinction comes from one, like you said, those it's almost like they don't believe them. Like if people, if you have a room full of people who are believers, it's like, no, you're not believers. So here are all of these things to make you become believers or you're not believers in the way that you think. So here, like you said, here are the programs, here's the training. Here's you're not like active enough in the life of God. Right. You're not good enough. And yeah. then to the museums, I think it's, I don't want to be too controversial. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, if I could keep it a buck, I think it's the museum is for the sake of the non-believer. Hmm. And when I say that, I mean, kind of, and I, you know, I'm not trying to label anybody, but it's, it's almost in that kind of seeker sensitive framework hmm. huh. where 
I want you to come in and see Christians who have fun and aren't the guy on the street who's saying repent or burn. I want, and I'm, and we're not boring either. And we, we're just like you see that. Don't you see that we're, we're, we're Christians and we're not that different from you. We're not a peculiar hmm. people. Hmm. We're just as much as you are. We're, we're, we're the same. The only thing is we just, we, we recognize and love Jesus. Hmm. And so it, it puts this idea in the head that it's like there's, there's nothing different about being a believer versus a non-believer outside of believing in Christ. And That's then your important. Life that is that remains. distinction. Yeah, and then your, but your life remains. And I think it, th this idea that your life will radically change and though God is merciful and he is gracious, that he does, like there is a cost. And that is probably, it feels like people treat that as too provocative of a subject. So let's just kind of shape it in a way where you see just the, like you said, these very polished, very well-kept, very produced examples of like, this is what Christianity is. And then on the factory side, it's like, well, you're not, you're not engaged enough. You're not doing enough. So we're going to build all of these things around you so then we can produce. And it, and it almost what it does is it doesn't allow those who are hungry for the Lord but unsure how to grow. It, it doesn't provide kind of the, the food that they need in order to grow. Mm. Well, and I almost feel like, and, and Phil, I want to let you in here, but I, I also want to say that I feel like that this is where some of this toxic authority structures come from as well. because. Mm we feel like the success or the goodness or the, you know, whatever, the, the positive virtue of a church is derived not from its connection to Christ and the faithfulness of the people to each other in the community, but from the output of the programs of the church and, like, its ability to drive activity. Yeah. Um, so, anyhow. Phil, I want to let you in on this one. Yeah, no, this makes me think about our conversation with Alan Noble. Um, mm -hmm. And just generally, I think it's been, I mean, really, I guess truly ever since the megachurch movement originally kind of first started. But I mean, in the West, in America in particularly, that's my context primarily, um, sure. it can be very easy for churches to kind of both actively and passively, like either accidentally or the elders and the leaders kind of on purposely are kind of seeking towards basically making like, this is a religious business organization. Mm -hmm. And we have, we have authority structures, we have budget meetings, we have quarterly reports, we have metrics, we mm -hmm. have how are we doing on XYZ and like a church should have accountability. If a church is paying pastors and paying bills and supporting missions, they should have a budget. But like sure. the corporatizing of a church is very damaging in all the ways and tends towards this um, phenomenon that Trevor's kind of talking about as far as like factory. Like if people who do have inherent dignity because they're made in the image of God come into, 
I mean, like an Amazon or a Starbucks, it's mm. not going to be like, oh, like you, like Vince, like if you worked at Starbucks or an Amazon factory, like it wouldn't be, oh, like this is Vince. He has value. He has worth. Here's his interests. No. Here, like, let's, what can we do for Vince? It's like, do your role, do it the best for us as possible, or there's going to be like a problem or we're going to try to fix you. Or yeah, we're going to have like, we're going to set you up with an internal mentor so that you can run our program very well. It's not, who are you? Like, what do you need? Like what the church is set up as. Hmm. So, I mean, yeah, like Trevor's description, like really does kind of fit in my mind with kind of the highly corporatized and professionalized church that currently in the U.S., it's, you have to work really hard to not fall into that model. Hmm. Yeah. I, and this might be uh, a non sequitur to some degree. I, I, I actually kind of asked some questions to some people that I know about, like, what about the church is unattractive? Hmm. Um, and what, and I'm paraphrasing kind of a culmination of those conversations is like every single Christian in every, almost every single church, almost every single Christian in almost every single church will say, we are not perfect. Mm -hmm. We are sinners saved by grace. We're not better than, we're just better off because we have Christ. Okay. But then our, <laughs> our presentation of being a Christian seems really holy. And our critique of others' sins seem really intense to the point where it feels like, I think you're telling me you're not perfect, but then you're super, super holy and you don't make any mistakes. And then you're really throwing the hammer down if I do something that seems unfavorable. And again, it's a kind of a non sequitur, but I wanted to throw that in to ask you guys, like, what's, what's been your observation or just even thoughts from that statement? I mean, I don't, I don't want to wrap everything into this this analogy, but I I do feel like on the other side of the factory approach, which interesting, like what some of the things that you're saying already about like um, people just being like the world or people, you know, kind of being just like, hey, we're sinners, but here's this other thing, like trying to be this relatable. Like, I think on the other side of the factory is the community of God. Like mm. we are a new creation. We are priests and princes in the kingdom of God. And that's my identity. I'm a new creation in Christ now. Mm -hmm. And Christ is doing something miraculous in me and in this community. And, in, and when we gather, there's something special there. The presence of God is there in mm. a special way. And, I think that that sense of awe and transcendence that is necessary isn't there. And so, yeah, when you, when you have no awe, when you have no transcendence, and you just have folks who, like you said, kind of look like you, but then are just mm -hmm. feeling like they have the authority to say all this different stuff about your life, some of that is, hey, when the church, as the moral authority legitimately calls out in a good way, sin is going to be offensive. But not to downplay people's concerns, I do think it is frustrating a lot of times because then they see people who are basically like them, who basically, like, there's nothing transcendent, nothing going on there. And it's like, 
here's all this judgmental presentation, especially if that's mainly or solely what's coming on and, and, and there's a lack of community, right? And the community, like you quoted this probably either earlier in the episode or before we started recording, I don't remember which, but like they'll know we're Christians by our love. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That happens in community with one another. Yeah. But a factory is not a community. That's a work group. Mm. And when we're always measured in, oh, well, these people are either outside consumers of the factory's product or this person, he's a, he's a starter worker in the factory. This guy's a work director. You know, this guy's the lead supervisor. This guy's the CEO. You know what I mean? It's almost like there's yeah. these tiers of service in the church. And it really, it creates programs, but I feel like it destroys community. And yeah. it's community yeah. where the pre- we feel and see the presence of God uh, among each other as we live out the life of Christ that we are we are walking in. And I don't th- I feel like we can't like that's something God does. We can't manufacture that. And and when that's not happening, and we're trying to manufacture it, and the world's looking, and we're interacting from a dead place with the world, yeah, it's going to be frustrating to them. Yeah. Um in a in a legitimate frustration kind of way. So super quick, let me ask a question to you guys. Uh, I'm a pastor, let's say, and I'm hearing this and I'm like, man, I'm convicted. I do really have this very factory corporate structure. I have a lot of programs and plans, but I don't think we're actually engaging in who God is. What do I do? Hmm. My question is, are, are, we, are we going back to the things that early communities of believers did what the Lord called us to do together to, you know, in being together and being the community of God. Mm. Are, are we creating these spaces where the community of God gathers and, and we are facilitating and, and as the body of Christ, all participating in our gifts as the community of God serving one another, or are you trying to organize and create the community of God? You don't create the community of God. You don't yeah. organize the community of God. First mm. Corinthians 12 says God organizes it. The, the fact of the new birth means that Christ creates it. And so mm-hmm. you're just one, as the leader, as the pastor, you're just one of several members of the body, yes, called to, to oversee it. Yes, called to teach it. Yes, called to shepherd it, to lead it in ways. But it's it's not yours to run necessarily. The Lord's given it a thing. And so to me, I think it's about are we trying to mix our effort into it? Mm-hmm. Or are we are we trying to ask the Lord to, to come be among us? You know, and I don't know. This is this is another random thought I had, but it maybe kind of ties in, is that you know, in our church, we were working on um, a new ministry program, and there was a time of a planning meeting that was set aside, and, and all we did was pray. It was just a prayer meeting, and people came, and we prayed about a lot of various things. We prayed for like an hour and a half over stuff about this thing that we were trying to do, and I don't know if it's just me, but I've done a lot of different ministry things and started ministry things, and, and a lot of the churches that I've been a part of. I can't once remember a time when we put on the calendar, we're going to pray about this thing as a group, and that's what we're going to do. 
for a time. Not, yeah, not pray as an opener of our thing, but we're literally going to seek the Lord's favor here because it's his work. The meeting is to pray. Yeah, because, because there's something supernatural happening here, or we're wasting our time. You know what I mean? And so, anyway. That's good. That's, that's really good. That's some of it. Phil? Yeah. No, I completely agree. We, we do need to be mindful that it's always a challenge with our flesh and our selfishness and probably a whole host of other things like the in the mystery of God's kind of providence, how things work out. Like we both are not the ones ultimately doing the work, but we are the ones doing the work. So like, where do we fall in that? And I think humility is huge and seeking God's mm-hmm. wisdom and God's strength is huge. So that's always encouraging to me when I hear people taking prayer seriously. And I wished we had more services and meetings that were more prayer heavy or even prayer exclusive sometimes. Yeah. As the devil's advocate, but switching <laughs> just to throw it in real quick and I'll be fast. Why do um, we need to pray guys? Why do we need to do that stuff? No, <laughs> um, man, live like, life like jesus actually exists mm-hmm. i think gajitani's got a book about that yeah i think a lot of people think like yeah jesus rose from the grave and he's embodied and yet and it is so conceptual for a lot of people and that's even something that i've for had real. to deal with for real it's just in people's heads but yeah. it's like no believer in christ he is real and he is alive and if that's true, because it is, that should freaking change your life. Yeah. And I think a lot of us live, and if we're in positions of leadership, we're running our church as if Christ is just a concept. Mm-hmm. And so I'm just imploring people, you know, whether the parishioner or the leader, live like Christ is alive, like he's real, like he actually rose from the tomb Mm. Mm. and i think if we really grabbed onto that like as as real as i am right now as real as i can touch this desk and speak into this microphone jesus is alive then that that should penetrate the heart in a way to inspire the holy spirit to, to guide like okay what do i need to do differently what are, what are we doing well and how do we focus this on you? Because yeah. I'm not praying in the air. Um, it's not just like going it's, as far as the ceiling. Like the God of the universe, because we are believers, we, he hears us. Yeah. And, be, and he's alive. That's why he hears us. And so we need, we need to just really live life like that's true. For sure. And I think that can change and affect a lot. I feel like I've been in that conceptual space as well for, for a lot of time. And that's, um, that's why I think I see it and, and I see it myself and critiquing it. But yeah, mm. I think the more we can get out of that factory space and into the community and, and of the community of faith, community of God's people, like where God is at work, um, there will be less of a museum and more of a hospital um, mm-hmm. when we do that. So, yeah, absolutely. 100%. Man, theology of place, we can't really uh, get past that, and I think that's a good thing. Yes, sir. Yeah. Agreed. 
Shout outs. Shout out. Let's get it. Shout outs. All right. I'll uh, I'll kick us off here with shout outs. Thanks, bro. Um, shout out this week. I'll say I have not um, read this in its entirety yet. I don't know if I will be able to before I return to the library, but I'll probably be getting this myself. Uh, previous and hopefully future guest of the show, uh, Alyssa Wilkinson recently has a book out called Salty. Lessons on Eating, Drinking, and Living from Revolutionary Women. Hmm. And it's just a delight. Hmm. Um, it's kind of framed around like the act of eating and dinner parties and like sitting down and eating meals with people, the bond that that builds. And she kind of has chapters on several women. I've only previously, um, some of this is just awesome because I'm like learning. I've only I was only familiar with like three or four of the women she covers. So like less than half of the people she covers in this book I was even familiar with. So it's it's fun to learn. It's wonderfully written, super engaging, very refreshing, delightful read. So uh shout out to Alyssa. Salty is now available wherever books are sold. There you go. Dope. Yeah, I'll jump in here. Bless your playlist. I'll keep it very, very quick. Um, there's a young lady named Gwen Bunn. G-W-E-N-B-U-N-N. Um, young artist. She's been in the game for a little minute. And uh, she's got a, a, a new album that just came out about a month ago um, at this time called Phase. But there's one particular song on that album that I really, really enjoy. It's called Waste Time. Um, it's not encouraging you to waste time. And it's, it's great. It's soul. It's R&B. It's really funky. And it's, it's just a great song. So if you have time, you can listen to the whole album. But if you don't really care to do that, then absolutely, for sure, listen to her song, uh, Waste Time. She's got a beautiful voice, great production. And I think you guys will really enjoy it. Hmm. That's good. I'm trying to remember. I don't know if I've shot this. I guess we're, we're like a year or something into this. I'm probably going to shout out things I've shouted out before at some point. Um, Inevitable. This is a app I'm going to shout out. Mobile app. Um, it is a mobile. Is it Taco Bell? <laughs> Not this time. Oh, dude, I was looking at it, though. I was like, <laughs> I was looking at there. I just leave it there. They have, they have this uh, campaign right now, and it literally says, uh, "Have major beef." And I, I just, that's delightful. That's just good copy right there. <laughs> uh, but no, um, this is Churchy. Um, there's an app. It used to be called the Scripture Typer app, but now it's more straightforwardly called the Bible Memory app, and. Mm. Um, I highly recommend it if scripture memory is part of your life or you want it to be part of your life and you're trying to find a good way to have a system to to keep you on it, to to help you uh, in memorizing scripture. The Bible Memory app is pretty amazing. Um, you can easily import verses and then it uses real memory science to help you um, process through the scripture to, to commit it to memory, which really helps you meditate on it. It really helps you see connections in the scripture that you might not have seen before as you uh, memorize chunks of scripture. And you can, I mean, I've used it before to memorize whole chapters of scripture. Like it's, 
basically through repetition at spaced intervals that it um, chooses based on how well you're doing at the verses that helps reinforce it. And then you type in the words by typing the first letter of each word, which also maps in your mind the words in the verse to a location on the keyboard. And um, location and memory are also very highly tied together, um, brain science says. So a lot of great science in there. But at the end of the day, you know, it's a spiritual endeavor of memorizing God's word, committing his word to your heart so that you know it and know him better. So Bible Memory app, check it out. Dope. Dope. Is that free? It is free. There is a pro version, which is not very expensive. And I do recommend, I think it's a one-time payment. It's not like nice. an in-app purchase you have to make every month. I'll check that out. And it is it is worth it. I have been thinking more about memory lately, so that's uh, that's perfect. Awesome. Sweet. Like we said at the beginning of the show, ratings and reviews for this podcast on whatever app you listen on. Apple Podcast is the largest, but I believe that Spotify now has that as well, and I think others yeah. do too. Um, if you listen to The Substance on a podcast app that has an option for it, write a sentence or two about what you love. Hit that five-star button. It'll help other people find us. And if you want to throw a little bit of dollar bills in our tip jar, you can do that at Cash App, dollar sign The Substance Pod, or become a monthly supporter on Anchor. TheSubstancePod.com. Playlists, episodes, socials. It's all there. So hit up the substancepod.com for all things the substance. We've got a phone line. You can call it. You should, because it's the year of the voicemail. Our phone number is 913-703-3883. You can also write us an email at the substancepod at gmail.com. I am one of your three hosts, Trevor. And I'm Philip. And I'm Vincent. And all three of us. We'll look forward to having you listening to us in a couple more weeks. On the substance. We are gone. Let's do it. That's my gut. All right, here, let's go. Let's see if we can do it again. It's going to bring that fire.